Welcome to episode number 45 of the Road to Cinema podcast, featuring a very special roundtable discussion from the Mistress America Press Day. We'll be joined by director and co-screenwriter Noah Baumbach, as well as co-screenwriter and actress Greta Gerwig and actress Lola Kirk. The new comedy from director Noah Baumbach tells the story of Tracy, played by Lola Kirk, a lonely college freshman who dreams of being a writer. Her aspirations become a reality when she discovers Brooke, her soon-to-be stepsister, whose fly-by-her-seat personality and crazy schemes inspire Tracy to write her very best story and possibly the chance to join her college's elite literary club. For more information on the Road to Cinema podcast, to read the Road to Cinema blog, and to watch our Road to Cinema YouTube series, please visit jogroadproductions.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, at jogroad, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash jogroad, follow us on Instagram, at jogroadproductions, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and you can also write us a nice review on the iTunes podcast page. And by doing all of those things and engaging with us on social media, you'll be entered into a contest to win a free download of the final draft screenwriting software. That's right. Do all of the above, and you'll have a chance to win a free download of the final draft screenwriting software. Brought to you by Road to Cinema and our friends at Final Draft. And now we join the Mistress America Journalist Roundtable Discussion where we first talk to director and co-screenwriter Noah Baumbach. Then we'll be speaking to actress Lola Kirk, and then actress and co-screenwriter of Mistress America, Greta Gerwig. Before we start, I needed to get this out of the way. I'm, I have a dachshund, and I saw on IMDb you're doing Flawed Dogs, which is about a dachshund. Is it that is. something that's happening or not happening? I, I don't think it's happening. Uh, Sorry. No. Uh. <laughs> Do I need to, to like, start a campaign? Wait, wait longer for a dachshund movie. Oh, um, oh, how come good. it fell apart? What? How come it didn't happen? I don't know. Um, I think yeah, there is a series of things. But nothing specific. The world yeah. of animation. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right. Now we're going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is great. Um, what I loved about it, and same with Frances Ha that you did with Greta, is this female friendship uh, aspect too. And I also love how all of your movies, I don't know if you see it this way, but all of them seem to have this common thread of, well, what now for all of your characters? Well, what now? What's next? Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that you see in your films, like a thematic tie? It's not something I'm, I, I, I don't really approach any of them with themes. They're more motivated by character and relationships and, you know, other things. Um, uh, but that said, I, I, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I think, you know, that, that, that you know, it, it's, it's a very human um, feeling, experience, whatever you want to call it, of, you know, no matter at what age of sort of, you know, trying to sort of, you know, re- realizing that there's, you know, there's yet another stage of life, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and how am I going to kind of, you know, how am I going to, 
you know, maneuver into this one. You know, I, I loved how the first act of your narrative, it was very hinged upon a great sound design and the music was another character in the narrative. Can you just talk about that creative choice and how it kind of really was another character and it brought out the energy of the city and the characters as well? Yeah, I mean, I think the yeah the music was a kind of, was we we spent a lot of time sort of uh, on the sort of on the score. Uh, Dean and Greta, who who did the music, and I and Greta, you know, sort of talked a lot about it. And we had been listening to a lot of uh, New Order and OMD. OMD still has there's a song in the movie, and and you know that sort of you know sort of in in many ways sort of synthetic synthesized sound but that but 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 with real warmth to it and emotion and and that's kind of what we were uh, you know I don't know it for whatever reason it always felt like the sound of the movie to me and and uh, you know something you know I thought they did beautifully now uh, correct me if I'm wrong this is your third director actor collabo with Greta correct and director actor yeah. yeah so if I may ask uh, has it uh, this uh, collabo has become uh, like a well-oiled machine how do you see it you know the, the evolution now the third time around um, yeah I mean I you know this is the the, the third is actor director and then the second where we'd written the script together mm -hmm. um, yeah I mean it doesn't I wouldn't say well, well, the machine because that feels mechanical. I guess I guess I feel like, you know, it's something uh, we really enjoy, and and each movie is its own thing. You know, it's like, you know, it's they're all they're on their own. They're all their own experience, even if you kind of, you know, have sort of continuous, you know, or similar people come in and out of them. They all kind of. You know, each movie has its own logic and its own set of challenges, and you know, uh, you know, set of joys, and, and and you kind of, you know, I think, you know, you kind of treat, or I do anyway, treat all of them as you know, its own specific thing. Sort of goes to what you were saying. It's like I don't, I'm not aware of any kind of conversation or dialogue between the movies while I'm working on them because I'm kind of just doing the thing I'm doing and I think that's the same thing about it's also true about our collaboration Greta mm -hmm. New York is always a really vibrant character in your films can you ever see yourself making a film anywhere else over here for example well I made Greenberg in LA yeah. um, and um, you know and it was you know very much you know I, I mean in, in, in th th that was very consciously for me a kind of L.A. movie or my version of an L.A. movie um, and I mean Margot at the Wedding was sort of on the East Coast but it was in the country and it was sort of out of the city and, um, but uh, yeah I mean I, 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 there, there, there are other ideas I have for stories that would take place in other places you know I, I think this last run um, you know New York just was the place for them it was the place I kind of imagined them so I I uh, you know, I, I, I felt like an essential part of them, so I, I uh, you know, shot them all there. But I, you know, I'm, I'm, I think there's, you know, there's always benefits to, you know, working in places that you have real familiarity with and, and, and a kind of, you know, history and sort of an emotional attachment or relationship with. And then, you know, for some other stories, it's, I think, kind of, you know, for me, putting myself in a kind of new, uh, you know, less familiar places, it can be a good thing. Mm -hmm.
you know, the, the idea that she has, the character has about the restaurant, about how people of different generations can actually live in and uh, eat and, and share community and do something passionate. Do you see the value in a restaurant like that? And do you see that with your filmmaking as well? And is that why you're so close as, as well to um, colleagues like Brian De Palma? Because both of you have a unique take on your films. It's been very personal. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the, certainly I, I, my movies are personal. And I um, uh, have friends who are filmmakers who also sort of make very personal movies. and. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was a way, the restaurant, you know, you know, on one hand we were kind of having fun with it, I guess, that Brooke wants to sort of, you know, this sort of fantasy of, of, of a place that would, you know, where they would cut hair and, you know, have, <laughs> <laughs> you know which they do in some restaurants, they, uh, candy from Europe, you know, and that, that it was this, you know, it was a... For laughs, but also, you know, I think at the same time we, you know, I, we took her passion seriously, and and you know, and, and when she gives her pitch, that Tracy kind of comes to her aid uh, with, I, you know, that that was, you know, we meant that seriously too. It was it was heartfelt, and you know, I, I uh, you know, that it was really, you know, meaningful to her. You know, which maybe it wasn't so much so when she first came up with the idea, because I think Brooke kind of traffics in kind of get rich or get famous quick kind of ideas. But she kind of, you know, it maybe becomes a more substantial idea as as it as the movie goes along. You mentioned how like your movies are very personal to you, and uh, as far as I could tell, all the movies you've directed are ones that you've actually written. Uh, would you ever consider directing a movie that you hadn't written? Yeah, I would consider it, but um, but it at least up until this point, it hasn't been what what I haven't been compelled to do it. I mean, I, I um, uh, you know I, I guess I kind of view the whole sort of endeavor as as starting with the script and all the way till the you know you know, through the mix and the color correction and and everything, and that that's sort of my experience of movie making. Um, uh, you know, and, and even though I write them, I kind of approach them, I think, as a director, you know, which actually I think Greta does in these movies too, as an actor, as, as interpretively. I mean, I think there's this kind of split that happens where I kind of, you know, I'm interpreting the script uh, even though Obviously, I wrote it. You know, I, 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 I'm able to kind of come at it from the outside and, and then kind of from some other angle when I'm directing. Um, but I, you know, I wouldn't rule it out if I, you know, somehow came upon some script that I felt, you know, sort of some real kind of, you know, attachment to. But not superhero movies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Even a superhero movie, I don't know. Oh. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I'm, it's, uh, you know, there's no telling, I mean, you, you know, what's going to interest you at what time in your life. Uh, there's such an incredible fast pace to the dialogue in Mistress America, and I'm wondering if there was any rehearsal process to help all the actors get in that rhythm 
because it seems like everyone was really on that same page and all the scenes really have that quick pace and rhythm and uh, works really well. Well, the rehearsal really was sort of uh, all at once because the location, the camera, the blocking, the performances all kind of had to be in sync. And um, uh, on this movie, as I did on Francis, I actually didn't show any of the actors the script beyond what they were in. Um, so, you know, for, for m many of the people in, in the house, particularly, you know, in that second half of the movie, they were, they only knew the stuff, those scenes. So, um, uh, but that said, we, we just made sure we had enough time to shoot it until we got it right. And we did, you know, multiple takes and, um, uh, and, you know, we rehearsed on the day, but we didn't do any kind of like previous rehearsal. All those aspects as well made it feel at times like a little, uh, a little like a stage play. Were you mm -hmm. guys going for that consciously? No, no, I wasn't thinking of a stage play. I was, but I was thinking of, of sort of, you know, screwball comedies from the '30s and '40s, which are in some cases were actually taken from stage plays. But I, I, I for me, it's a kind of, you know, even though there there are tropes that are obviously in kind of, you know, a certain kind of theater, I. I it's it's also very those movies are very visual. I mean they're you know, and the blocking and the sort of way people go in and out of rooms and who's on camera when and who's off camera, which is you know something you can't do on stage and you know and and uh, you know to me is actually quite cinematic. But um, um, but you know obviously there there is that sort of tradition of sort of drawing room comedies that are on stage. All that stuff felt very um, precisely kind of um, sketched out. And, and yeah, it was. Planned. It yeah. was, and um, and you know, and not unlike those those screwball comedies, I felt like it should be shot with some space, you know, and not something where you cover it a lot and, and sort of cut it up in the post. That it be, you, you know, that that actually experiencing these rhythms as naturally as possible would actually is more is funnier and more pleasurable in a way. So, you know, those takes in a lot of cases are quite long. It doesn't mean we're not, we don't have cutting points in our editing, but, uh, you know, we, I wanted to kind of, you know, they really had to do it, you know, uh, for us to get it. And this was your second movie that's being released this year. How was the shooting schedule? Was uh, it back-to-back -back kind of thing or? It was, um, it was actually, um, well, we shot, I knew, I knew I had a window between Francis Aha uh -huh and While We're Young, the, the shooting of While We're Young, um, but it wasn't, wasn't going to be big enough to finish the whole movie, but I, Greta and I had this script, and the, the Mistress America script, and so, and I was waiting for Ben Stiller to finish finishing Walter Mitty, which he was directing, so he sort of had a much longer uh, schedule, and so... Um, so we did it quite deliberately, but it was unorthodox in that we shot it. I edited it up until a point, and then stopped, made while we're young all the way to the end, mm -hmm. and then went back and finished Mistress America. Okay. Is that easy to do? Leave one thing for so long and go back to it? It was hard to leave it in a way initially. Once I left it, I just got immersed in the next one. So, um, uh, but um, you know, I. I but but initially it was hard. I, I wouldn't have 
you know, it's not something I would do all the time. But I mean, I, I felt like, you know, under the, at the time we had the opportunity to do it. And I felt like, let's just, you know, let's just do it and then we'll, you know, we'll come back. So not so tricky to get back into the right feeling in one space when you come No, because there were different points of, I, I, you know, it would be hard to shoot things simultaneously or edit them simultaneously. I think, you know, if I was doing the same thing at the same time, but I was sort of far enough on Mistress America, I'd already had a cut of it. I just wasn't, you know, I, I wanted more time with it and I hadn't done the music yet. And, and um, so in that way, it was kind of easier to return to it. Yeah. And now we're joined by actress Lola Kirk, who will be followed by actress and co-screenwriter Greta Gerwig. So do you, do you know somebody like Brooke in your sure. life? Sure. I know lots of Brooks, um, and I love them all. I, 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 I think that, you know, it, Brooke is a very, though Greta does like a, a very, portrays her in a really singular way, and she's a very unique character, I think that that kind of person that's really intimidating but also really inspiring exists and I have spent a lot of time with people like that um, I, as much as I would like to think of myself as some kind of leader I am very much a follower and I have spent a lot of time <laughs> being lost and relying on the kindness of almost strangers to guide me somewhere so I, I it was so fun to get to bring that you know make represent that dynamic in the film mm -hmm. I actually had a great time when I was in college so I was in this movie I was like <laughs> oh the, the movie made it feel like oh college life is not as you know as, as, uh, life starts in college that's what I believe but what, what, what uh -huh. do you think it seems like Brooks gives, gives you this more appealing side of life like you know oh, yeah well, I, I think that Noah and Greta set out to debunk the kind of national lampoon Van Wilder image of college because mm -hmm. I think that while a lot of people do have the experience of, of starting their lives in college um, I, I certainly didn't especially my freshman year I mean that that definitely changed and I thought I'd spend the rest of my life in clogs on a farm because I went to school in the middle of nowhere um, <laughs> and grew to want to do those things um, but I, I don't know I, I mean I think that the movie is not so much about college, but maybe more so about the myth of New York City. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, no one moves to New York to just kind of like hang out and have fun. Everyone, I think, gravitates to that place because uh, you can become someone that you aren't already. And I think that that's what both of these characters are really trying to do in the film. True. Do you see um, Tracy as the protagonist and Brooke as the antagonist? Or is it not Absolutely not. No, I, I, don't, I don't think that Brooke is... Uh, or anyone really is the antagonist. Uh, I mean, perhaps uh, Dylan and Mamie Claire's characters. <laughs> so Dylan, I mean, he really reveals himself to be um, not as kind of trustworthy, I think, when he says, you know, you shouldn't start the restaurant. Um, but, like, we love him, and then, like, that is such a, like, slimy, gross part of the film to me. Um, but I, I really think that um, this narrative is, is very different from a lot that we see. I don't think it can be, like, summarized into three punchy sentences. And, and the one that I see, like, Brooke is a lonely college Tracy's a lonely college freshman, and Brooke is a wild girl about town. It's like, kind of, yeah, sure. That's an aspect of it. Um, but I guess in that, I think that they're both protagonists. I think that, you know... Uh, Tracy maybe fills that role a little bit more because she's like the Nick Carraway to Brooks Gatsby. Mm -hmm. um, but what I also really like about the film is that 
it definitely is a new representation of women or, or one that we don't see very much. And uh, I feel like so often women are mediated by the male gaze in film, whether it's the director or a male character that loves them or, or, or hates them or whatever. And what I really like about this film is that Tracy is that male gaze, or she is the gazer, she's the observer. And um, so I, I don't think it's as simple as protagonist, antagonist. Sure. I've been to New York many times, uh, so can you talk about, did you shut down Times Square? For Hell no. <laughs> just to shoot that? Um, no, it, Noah um, works uh, with this, on this film, and I believe also on Francis Hall with a very small crew so that we can shoot on like the Metro North train or, or shoot in Times Square more or less undetected. Oh. It, it felt more uh, like... Undetected. It felt more like a student film in like the scope of it, but being directed by Noah Baumbach. So it's the greatest student film ever made. <laughs> you guys have such a wonderful repartee with each other. Oh, thank you. And this rat-a-tat-tat -tat kind of dialogue. Did that take you a long time to kind of nail and get down because it's so rapid fire? Um, it, it didn't. I mean, Noah and Greta are through and through writers, and, and I think that they write, and, and the beauty of Greta also being a wonderful actress is that she's writing dialogue that is good for actors, that isn't a mouthful to say. Um, and they were very uh, specific about us being word perfect in the film, so there's no improv or anything. Um, but I, I can't remember it being particularly difficult to nail just because it really flowed. Mm -hmm. What was it like working with two people that have had so much time to get, like have such a long and deep creative sort of relationship? Well, I, I mean, I, I was just thinking in a way that um, it was kind of like, like Noah and Greta together are like Brooke in the movie. Like they are this intimidating but inspiring and really like nurturing force um, because I was very, this was like really the first movie I'd ever done. So I had nothing to compare it to. Um, so that was just kind of the way it was. But that being said, they're a wonderful team. And uh, Greta never betrayed her role as an actress in the film because she was also a writer and a producer. Now this was your first movie that you uh, worked on. And then since then you've done Gone Girl, other, other films mm -hmm. and TV and all that kind of fun stuff. Do yeah. you have a favorite medium to work in? Like as it compared to these independent films versus television versus larger budgets? Um, no, I just like to work with good people. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and I've found that in all of the varying degrees of filmmaking that I've been in or TV making or whatever, um, that you know, as long as it's actor friendly, that it's really wonderful. What you are really into Superman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was just Yes, thank you. Are you, Clark? Uh, <laughs> my cover's blown. <laughs> what, what, what makes something actor-friendly for you? Um, well, I, it, it's different on every set. I mean, Noah and Greta were actor-friendly in the way that they write great parts for actors, and, they, and you're not saying, like, bogus expositional stuff all the time like because you're my grandmother I can't hang out or whatever it is like you're not <laughs> saying that it's more real but it's better than real because they are good writers and they have a way of bringing like um, observations into a realistic tongue or something like that and I think that on the Doug Lyman film that I just did, it was very actor-friendly because we would do the scene all the way through every single time. Like when you're doing coverage and you're breaking it up and we're picking it up from a part like in the middle where I'm already screaming or laughing hysterically or whatever, that's like really difficult to get to. So that was cool because we would start the scene and just do it through every single time. And um, 
And then also, actor-friendly can just be having a really wonderful director who knows how to talk to you and give you adjustments. When Tracy first makes contact with Brooke, she's, mm -hmm. uh, she seems a little pensive at first. Like, she's just kind of sitting by herself, eating dinner, does, decides not to leave a message on her voice. Yeah. Uh, what do you think is her catalyst for finally, like, reaching out to Brooke? Like, what do you think compels her? Uh, well, I mean, I think that she, with, there's, like, that montage right before I meet Brooke where, like, Things are picking up and I'm, you know, getting an A in class or I'm, you know, the boy that I might like kind of seems to like me as well. Um, and then, you know, I think that there's discouragement in a way when, when uh, you know, I see Tony and, and Nicolette holding hands and then that's like lonely, which is interesting because in a lot of ways, while I, I don't think that male characters are the protagonist like are the catalysts in the film in a way perhaps like some feeling of rejection is um inspires her to go eat 50 mozzarella sticks and and call <laughs> brooke um but i think it's just like that simple thing of like this isn't i came to new york and this isn't what i thought it would be and like what can i do next how how do i make this more interesting for myself and how many mozzarella sticks did give their lives in that? Scene? Fifty, actually. Uh, Noah didn't tell me that you could uh, use a spit bucket. And since we do so many takes, I think it was like his, like you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna teach you. <laughs> like, I mean, not in like a spiteful way, but like, let's see how many she can really do. Um, and on the fiftieth mozzarella stick, he was like, give her a spit bucket. And um, and that's how I learned how to eat in movies. <laughs> Valuable skill that you can take with you going forward. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Does he um, do a lot of takes, Noah? Or Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think 30 would be the minimum of anything, oh including a pickup of like my hand picking up the pasta or something like that. Since yeah. you are filming in such public places, did any of the public try to get involved in your scenes or start watching your scenes? <laughs> yeah. um, there was one lady, we were like... <laughs> we were doing a scene on a street in Brooklyn, and this woman like walked up and she was like, I would do the lockup down the street, like trying to pr prove to us that she made movies or something, and we like, but interrupted our shot, which was so frustrating because we were doing it so many times, yeah. and like then just kind of like shook her head and like said something. She became a big source of entertainment through for us throughout the rest of it. Um, but yeah, people people would get involved. Um, she she was the main uh, civilian that got involved. Yeah, she might have been a studio executive. In yeah, maybe she was with a SAG rep. <laughs> Aside from the screenplay itself, uh, was there anything that Noah or Greta conveyed to you about the character that uh, you sort of carried through the shooting process? Um, not really. I mean, I feel like they, they trusted me to, to do what I did, and, and obviously adjustments were, were made in the scene. Um, Noah has a really funny way of directing. It's not that he gives you line readings, but he'll, he just has a very like unique understanding of people, um, and so he would give just interesting remarks, which are now escaping me because of my sleep-deprived uh, brain. Sorry. <laughs> um, obviously, performance is like your creative outlet, but uh, this character, written word, and your character on Mozart in the Jungle, like music, mm -hmm. um, do uh, any of those other forms of um, storytelling uh, interest you? Or Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I write music, and I, I sing and play guitar as well. Um, and I like try to do watercolors, but I'm not very good at them, but it's fun. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, writing is, is a healing thing for me, and, and I, I'm not sure how much of that I, I want to make public because I think that you're already very vulnerable when you put yourself out in the world in one way. I applaud and commend anybody who can you know, reveal all of the things that they do. Um, but 
I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's not difficult to, to play characters who have other creative outlets uh, because ultimately it's, it's just expression and the desire to do that that drives us all. Is going from a Noah Baumbach movie to a um, Doug Liman movie with Tom Cruise like going to another planet? <laughs> um, yeah, of course, but um, I mean, you know, I'm an independent contractor. I, I just go and I do, <laughs> you know, what I can, and, and I, I don't change who I am to do it. But is it a really different experience from one to the other? Uh, I mean, as I said before, Doug Wyman is very actor-friendly and very grounded, and, and, and Tom Cruise, I mean, is Tom Cruise, but it's he was incredibly friendly, and I didn't feel like I was going to shake and, like, die when I was around him. <laughs> uh, I did actually just have a really funny experience the other day where there was this, I was getting on the train to go do press in Philadelphia and there was this older lady in front of me and she was about to kill us all on the escalator. She had like a couple of bags that she couldn't get off on time and I kind of grabbed them and she turned around and I realized it was Ellen Burstyn <laughs> and I like felt more in that moment like I was going to die than I had with any other thing. And then I helped her to her seat and she said, what would I have done without you? And I almost Aww. cried. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was I think the most starstruck I've I've been in a long time. Oh my gosh! Did you and Greta work on your relationship for the movie prior to starting to film it? No, we didn't. Uh, it was all very much contained in the in the shooting process. But the shooting process, I I don't know how much time you guys have spent on film sets. There's so much time right. um, that you're not doing anything, and especially as an actor, so. We had a lot of time, and we didn't have trailers, or there was no separation. Everyone was like sitting in the same place at all, all the time uh, when we weren't working. So, we I don't know. It was natural, and and it just it happened. You guys have great chemistry together. Thank so, you so yeah, much. It comes across. In the yeah, time. I love Greta. <laughs> yeah. Was there a lot of free time? It looked like it would have been shot really quickly and moved really quickly. Uh, it, it that it, it was shot over sixty days, um, over like four months. So there was a lot of. I mean, I wouldn't say there was a lot of, like, fun time, like, you know, like, re I mean, it was fun, but, like, not like we were just, like, sitting around doing nothing, but just lighting and, and all of that stuff, and yeah. there was a lot of just time, and, and I think working with someone in a creative <gasps> way, you do get to lunch. <laughs> 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 I'm just lying to everyone. Um, no, um, you have to stop, Lola, it's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> Um, now Greta will finish my sentence. Really competing with for, with me for that title, so um, <laughs> I guess it won by default. But I'm very happy about it. I love screwball comedies. Uh -huh. I loved all the ratatat tat kind of dialogue mm -hmm. in this, mm -hmm. and I was asking uh, Lola if that was hard to kind of nail. Was that just easy for you since you wrote it? Mm -hmm. You just know it in your heart. Just well, I, I mean, we, we we spend a long time on the script, and we really. We don't we don't let the actors change any words and it's very precise and I mean I but we really keep the writing process and the acting process separate mm -hmm. so I mean it'd be because we don't change anything and because we don't do improv really once the script is the script then when I'm on set I'm free to be an actor without the encumbrance of thinking about the writing so mm -hmm. in a way I try to come at it as if I didn't write it um, because as a writer, you know things about the logic of why things are in there that actually doesn't help you as an actor. Like, 
when you're writing it, you you know you say like, well, we need to know this piece of information, so let's write this line this way. But that that can't possibly be your reason as an actor to say anything. So, in some ways, it's it feels like a completely separate thing away from writing it. But it's great fun to act. Is that challenging to separate? Because you also produce this too, mm -hmm. like to separate all of these different roles. Well, for me, it really like the producing side of it. I was incredibly involved with the, you know, casting and the locations and the look of the film, and and then afterwards with the editing and the music. And but those are really like pre and post production things. Mm -hmm. And while we're actually shooting it, I am I am one hundred percent an actor, and I think that's just the way I work best because. I don't like acting with a strong sense of what it looks like externally. I would hate watching playback of myself. I like uh, feeling as if I'm a bit out of control, or there's something in me that's coming through that I don't have um, so much control over. It's, that's where I find what's good. I, I think that's what works for me. Uh, Brooke has so many irons in the fire at, yes. at any given time. Yeah. Uh, aside from the big one of the restaurant, yeah. like, what were some of her <laughs> ideas and schemes that like you were most attached to that felt oh. like, great? <laughs> <laughs> what was I most attached to? Um, I mean, I really like her um, exercise instructor stuff. Her, um, <laughs> um, I've never been so. I. I I, I was so I had to actually do that when I did that scene and I'm speaking into the microphone and saying inspirational things. I was so it was so hard for me and I felt I had to really turn off my natural inclination towards feeling embarrassed and just take charge in front of everyone and be very positive and anyway. But I love I love that part of her and I think. Um, I really love exercise instructors. <laughs> they're really positive people, and they really have so much energy. <laughs> and anyway, I, I like okay. them. <laughs> Regarding the post-production, can you yeah. just talk about bringing the sound, uh, the music, sure. the sound design, because it had a very French new wave energy. Oh yeah. It, so. Well, you know, I, well actually, what we were sort of going for, or we were thinking about, were. Uh, the score, in terms of the score, it was really uh, 80s movies we were thinking about, like the score of um, Risky Business or, um, or uh, 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 After Hours or um, uh, um, something wild, that kind of um, synthy 80s emotional score. I mean, we even we were listening to like the soundtrack to Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, um, <laughs> which has an amazing soundtrack, mm -hmm. by the way. Um, really, really kind of makes you cry. Um, and anyway, Dean Dean Wareham and Britta Phillips did all of the score, and they um, they did a beautiful job because we didn't want it to feel too. Um, too much like we were doing a, a thing. We wanted it to feel natural to the world, but also referencing these other movies. Now, a fun question here, because I yeah. love your character so much. Thanks. Your character is so much fun. So Thanks. what would you do in real life if somebody stole your cats? If somebody stole my cats? <laughs> uh, I mean, I think the question of whether those cats are actually stolen. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. That might be one of the ones um, that's... Uh, would you be serious? <laughs> I mean, I'd probably be pretty angry. Okay. I don't have cats, but if somebody stole my cats, sure. I mean, who steals your cats? That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to be
be directing a movie coming up, and I was just yeah. curious if there's anything you learned from watching Noah directing mm. on these last few sure. movies you've worked with them that you're going to take with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the nice things about um, being an actor is that you, you get to be on so many different sets, and you get to see so many different directors and the way they work. And um, it's funny when you realize directors are only ever on their own sets. Uh, they don't know how anybody else does it because they only really do their own movies. And so I feel like working with Noah, but also the other directors I've gotten to work with, I feel like I have a good sense of the different ways you can go about making a film. And that being said, I'll discover what I'm, what I'm like and what I need and what I'm doing. But um, I think there's, I think the, the, at least in, in the the reason to make the movie is for me also that the, the script is um, something I want to shoot. So it, it starts with the writing. What can you tell us about Lady Bird? What's it about? What are you going for? I um, <laughs> I will uh, decline that question. <laughs> um, I mean I I I know what it is about, but I I um, I gotta make it, you guys. <laughs> Was it something that? Sort of playing off of that just a little bit, yeah. Because I'm a huge Francis Ha fan. Oh, great! Loved it, loved it. You have the scene in Sacramento. You're yes, from Sacramento. Yes. Is that something yeah. that, like that scene, birthed this oh. idea or not really? Oh, that, or? I well, I've always it's not it didn't really birth that idea, but I've always um, I felt very grateful that I'm really from a place, and um, I'm really my my fam my family is still there, my brother's still there, a lot of my friends are there, and. Um, I think one of the things that cinema is uniquely great at is capturing places mm -hmm. and um, I love New York and I, I love making films there but I also feel like if you're lucky enough to be from a specific place you you should try to capture some mm -hmm. something that feels real and specific to you because I think that's how you get a sense of what uh, what is this country we live in in all these different um, places? And I, I mean, I love regionalism in, in fiction and in cinema and in theater. And I think it's just exciting to see different places um, illuminated through through work. And uh, being from Sacramento, my favorite writer is um, Joan Didion. She's from Sacramento and she wrote about Sacramento. And um, in any case, it's I, I, I think Sacramento needs an opus. Right, <laughs> right, I love that. You, you talked about how deliberate the uh, script and all the specific words were. Yeah. Um, so that's got me really curious now. Is there any significance to Brooke's full name? Because Brooke Cardenas, like, we see it a few times and hear it a few times throughout the movie. It just sounded resonant to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, Brooke, Brooke just felt instantly like her name. I, there was something about, like, it was a name I felt, it felt 80s to me somehow. I don't know how, like, kind of natural, like, you know, broken, she calls her Meadow in the, in the script, in the, in the story she writes. But, yeah, I like giving people full names, too, because, you know, in high school, like, you never called anyone, like, Greg. It's Greg Ruiz. Like, you, you yeah, know yeah. a full name. It's not, you don't ever just have a first name of, like, Brooke Cardenas, Tracy Fishko, these are names. Uh, okay. And I just, I think I've always felt that sometimes in movies, it's always improbable to me that you never really know what their full name is. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you're like, well, well, that's not true. Um, Do you think that helps like, the audience connect to the character a little more? I don't, it, it would help me. Okay. So um, uh, there's this, 
Um, um, there's this great, it's, it's maybe not as great as some of them, but there's this Cary Grant movie, which I'm going to forget the name of, but he keeps saying this man's name the whole time. He's like, Mr. Shunderson, and he says it about a hundred times. And I was like, it's so nice that we know Mr. Shunderson. Anyway. Noah's talked a lot about the benefits of working with a very streamlined crew over the past couple of movies. Do you mm. see that as a benefit as an actress to you know really contain everybody together, small numbers? Yeah, I, well, I, I really like working that way um, uh, for a variety of reasons, but um, I like the freedom that it affords us in terms of we can shoot many more days, and that's a big part of it, um, because so often with indies you're shooting, it's like you're squeezing a regular size movie into 19 days. And we shot this over 60 days. So we really gave ourselves the freedom to say, you know, if a scene's not working, we can go back and come back to it the next day. And we didn't have to give ourselves that pressure of like moving on, moving on, moving on. And I think a lot of that is the streamlining of the, the crew. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is also the the way filmmaking has transformed due to technology that allows that to be possible. Question probably you're getting all day today, yeah. but do you know or are you a brook? Am I a brook? Oh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of a, I'm, I'm, if, any, if I'm anyone, I'm Tracy. Uh -huh. um, we gave, I made Lola wear things I wore at 18 in a movie, so um, I put her, that like giant blazer, that was mine. It was even bigger, we had to like tailor it down <laughs> to fit her, and um, I wore a lot of berets, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, I mean I wanted to be a writer, and I moved to New York, and I was, it was like Tracy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be part of a club where if you got in, they put a pie in your face. <laughs> That's real. That, that, that happens. That's great. Yeah. Any Brooks in your life? Is that any character based on anybody you know? Um, yeah, it's sort of a... It's based on um, people I think both Noah and I have known and like little pieces of different people. It's not based on one person. We kind of took all these parts and made her her own thing. But yeah. Yeah, she's um, she's got a lot of different people in her. <laughs> you know, the Brooks idea about that restaurant where yeah. can cut hair, do so many things, but then the great thing about generations can actually live in that restaurant. It could be a community. Yeah, right. Do you yeah. see that with your directing venture and the oh. story you're going for? Because you're talking about having a sense of place. Yeah. I'm sure that must be a big driving force for you. Yeah, you know, I mean, as, as, ri as ridiculous as that speech Brooke gives sounds, of like, and then when I have kids, they'll come, and you're like, what are you even talking about? I've like, really, like, taken a left turn somewhere. And then, I, I don't even her, like, dive for lobster. I don't know what she's talking about. But, um, but yes, I I do think, um, I think, I mean, not to give this or overcomplicate her idea, but I do think um, Brooke lives in this very stark world of kind of the winners and losers of, uh, of capitalism. <laughs> and that it's this very, it's this very, st yeah, stark thing of like, you get your money and you get out of the city and you like work and you, you, you cash out and then you leave and you get your big house and you do... And I think she's sort of looking for like a third path, for a way that she could make something that was um, that didn't cause any 
that didn't cause anyone to feel like a loser or a winner necessarily, but was like a place everyone could be. And I think even though she's sort of crazy and weird about the way she goes about it, I do feel, I felt very connected to what she was talking about. And um, I mean, I have no desire to open a restaurant, but um, I certainly, um, I'm a big believer in um, communal art. and using art as a way not just to make a product that is sold to people, but to make an experience that is shared by the people who make it and then the people who see it. Have you what been? You, oh, sorry. Sorry. Oh, you can go. Um, what did you want to say about Brooke in the scene where she has the encounter with the uh, former classmate? Oh, that yeah. That was a little different than oh, the other yeah. scenes. That was one of the first scenes we wrote. Um, uh, in a way, we wanted it to be, a, a, and we it, it is a standalone scene where something is turning for her, that um, that things start going badly because she, the woman says, "I wish all bad things on you," and then everything falls apart after that, and that it's almost like a curse that comes through this, and also the, just this idea of you know in a normal interaction, if somebody came up to you and said you were a real dick to me in high school, you would say. Oh my God! I'm sorry. I, just, I, you know, and that Brooke doesn't do that. She turns on this woman and she says, "What's wrong with you? That you're paying attention to." The, and this, and it felt like part. It's part of what makes Brooke amazing, and it's also what makes her downfall. So it's sort of. I saw that that scene as this shift in, in what happens to her, and I mean, I, I don't, I. Yeah, I and I just love that scene. I like I love I love watching Rebecca Henderson act that scene and Tracy scarf down hot dogs and, <laughs> and and it's a moment where you see this side of Brooke where she you suddenly are like, Oh, she was she's formidable which you also learn about Tracy, is that Tracy's got a real steel steely core as well. But I don't think pe- most people aren't either or. They're they're both and and they're both magnanimous and they're petty. They're kind and they're cruel. And I, I think too often we want our characters to exist <coughs> in these very narrow parameters. And at the same time, like right before you see that scene, you know, Brooke shows a picture of her mom that we never see, but to Tracy. And, you know, probably in high school her mom was dying. And probably and she doesn't say that to that girl. Like my you know, my mom was dying and I was mean to other people because I was in a lot of pain. I don't think she had the access to say that, but I think people are such a weird combination of stuff, and I feel like as much as I can, I try to make movies where all of that can exist at once. 